What's our seat number? Hello, and welcome back to What's Our Seat Number with me, Johnny Gross. And me, Simon Gross. I'm glad we got through that this time. We are talking about No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie in the Indiana Jones universe, uh, produced by Marvel and directed by Zack Snyder. That so, was brilliant. Did you just come up with that? On, I, I'm on just, the spot? I'm riffing. I'm riffing. That I did was not brilliant. write that down. That was fantastic. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, so this is part two of our discussion. So, where were we? We were talking, I think we just finished talking about um, the uh, Ebola virus uh, yeah, stealing. Yeah, thing. you reminded me of the, uh, the Mitchell and Webb sketch. <laughs> Brilliant. In fact, there's a lot of Mitchell and Webb sketches that No Time to Die seems to bring to mind. Well, that was actually what you said at the end of the last episode, was you think that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was maybe flexing her sitcom-y kind of yeah. dialogue muscles. And, and I think that that British... That kind of British sitcom-y sketch type stuff just has very little place in a Bond movie. And and so the you know the whole the whole Ebola I've only gotta put Ebola in his suit is like, oh I didn't laugh and no one else in the theatre did. No, but when I think of Hugh Dennis, I think of uh, my hero. I think of Mock the Week. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know. Or oh, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. So what's next after the uh, after that scene? We got Bond um, vacationing in Jamaica. Felix and uh, and this new guy Logan Ash uh, come and visit him and uh, take him out to a club, which is new. Um, but they uh, you know they have this nice uh, this nice rapport going on. You you know you got Felix and Bond hanging out for the first time. We've never actually really seen that. They're playing a game. They're playing a game, um, and uh, he's trying to convince him to come on, uh, come on a mission, basically, um, come back into the fold. Um, and the CIA and MI6 are at odds because we find out that this virus was engineered by M. I really want to talk about my thoughts on this. <laughs> but go on, no, no, no. What that's was why we're here. Like? No, it's like I, I feel like delving into this needs to happen after we talk about the ending because i want to talk about what does happen and then right, what i okay. think should have happened fine so bond meets up with nomi who uh was a source of extreme contro con- controversy controversy i was gonna say controversy I'm like, you're not american i'm not american no i don't think i would have gotten quite as angry as most people have um especially since uh since i knew from the get-go that she wasn't playing James Bond yeah. or taking over from James Bond that he was on leave or left he left actually, and they replaced and him. they replaced him with another agent whom they allocated the number 007 to yeah. uh, I didn't have a problem, problem with that at all um, and I also think that she was incredible in the role she was she's a very good actress fantastic. and kicked fucking ass she was fantastic and, and, and there's something that on this note Daniel Craig said, I don't think that there should be a female James Bond. I think that, you know, there should just be better roles for women. Right. And then what I was seeing was I had seen the original article of what he, you know, that they quoted him. And then I was seeing all these clickbait things all over Facebook and on, you know, different places where they said, Daniel Craig doesn't think Bond should be a woman. Or Daniel Craig thinks a woman can't be Bond. There are ways to do it where you don't need to take an established character and make it female. Because, you know, and I was talking about Doctor Who on, on this front, um, is the the idea that when they made 
the last few seasons of Peter Capaldi's run, they were already peppering the idea that um, Time, Lord the can Time Lords can switch genders, yeah. which was fine. And then the whole thing with the Master being a woman, I thought that... Soda. <laughs> this time, no splashback. Um, so, you know, I, 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 felt, I felt like that, you know, the, that whole thing, and then when they changed the Doctor into a woman was not a natural progression of the character, but the BBC's need to show, oh, please, please, God, Diversity. believe us that we are progressive. And I, I don't think that that is the way to go about it. I think that there are problems with the characterization of women in movies and games, in media in general, and, and, and I think that the, the way to do it is to just write better characters and have, you know, the, the, the Shang characterization, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that um, with, you know, the, there's, oh, I'm going to bring it up again, but Bloodstone, the, the Bond game. Right. Uh, Joss Stone, who plays uh, the Bond girl, as it were, right. says to him, oh, I think it's better if you drive because, you know, I'm not very good at driving. And that's a moment that makes you go, Oh, and also, like, he says, move over, let me drive. And you're half expecting her to go, oh, thank goodness, my delicate female fingers couldn't possibly hold the wheel anymore. Like, the characterization of that character makes it sound like whoever wrote this was very male and, right. and not doesn't understand. Which and is why also, like, aside from the uh, the obvious sitcom influences and, and whatnot, I thought it was a very good idea to bring in Phoebe Absolutely, she's a fantastic writer. Yeah, and and I think it only helped with the with the females, uh, female uh, characters. Paloma specifically. Paloma yeah. was fantastic, yeah. and we'll get to that. But yeah. I I really think that it's I'm just getting stuck on this because I think that the discussion around whether or not Bond should be a woman, not be a woman, all that stuff, um, it it doesn't have to be. And someone said to me, like a friend of mine said to me, I think that you're just um a bit of a chauvinist when it comes to this particular subject. Not at right? all. Um, and, and I think, but there's nothing chauvinistic particularly, I, I, in, if, if the definition of being chauvinist is, I think that women should have empowering roles, women should write for female roles, I think that there should be, um, you know, better characterization for women and, and better representation, and that the men and the women should have an equal footing when it comes to the action that they're taking and the, the, the agency that they have, and that the agency is not based on, you know, oh, I'm doing it for this man, right? Right. Um, or I'm doing it because this man has taken me by the hand and is running down a corridor with me now because I can't run by myself, right? I, I, I then then yes, I'm a chauvinist. Like, I, I, which I is think, which I, is part of the problem with Madeline Swan as well. Exactly, she exists. Purely. She exists to exactly to motivate him and to and right. to and to drive his and and that's a problem. And yeah. I, and I, and, and I it's and another I reason why she's a be, very weak Bond yeah. girl because. You know, she, it's supposed to be all uh, all punched up for, for the female roles and whatnot. And I feel like she does get a lot of very good acting moments. But at the same time, um, she exists purely for him Yeah. in the movie. Um, she doesn't exist independently of him. Um, I don't know. It, it didn't... It's uh, a very didn't, tricky subject. It's a very tricky subject. And, it's and also it's... a very tricky thing to write. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the thing with Doctor Who, and, and the reason why we keep coming back to this is mainly because it's, uh, it's another, another series it's another that changes It's another 60-year-old franchise, uh, 60-year-old series, I should say, that, um, you know, the, the, you know the, the actors keep changing. 
um, there's more of a precedent because they actually came up with a reason why he changes as, as opposed to Bond. Um, but uh, yeah. I didn't stop watching Doctor Who because of Jodie Whittaker. I think that she's great. I also um, think she's great. I stopped watching Doctor Who because of the writing and I stopped watching Doctor Who because of the companions. I thought that they were all fairly weak yeah. and the stories weren't good and I just got bored. There is a two-parter with the new master right. who is male. Mm-hmm. And their dynamic is electrifying. And it feels like Doctor Who. So it, it, it proves what you just said about how... Like, I watched the first season of Jodie Whittaker and I was not impressed. Right. But then I See, gave... I didn't even I know heard, that they continued on. I heard that there was... You know, the master appears in the second season and that he was also a... Uh, he was an actor who had appeared in the Dracula um, three-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stephen Moffat one. Right. And Mark Gattis as well? Gattis? Yeah. Um, I believe so. I think they wrote that together. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's... there's a, there, and so I was intrigued by it. So I watched this two-parter and I was like, this feels like Doctor Who. So it's possible to do it. It just, um, it just means that you have to understand what makes these character dynamics work. Right. And so, you know, I don't... I, I don't think that them changing, you know, the Doctor to a woman was a bad move per se. I think it's an unnecessary one. But it's a little bit easier because the DNA changes and every cell right. in her body changes. But here you are talking about a grounded, more realistic thing. And and it just feels weird to me to talk about changing James right. Bond into a woman. But So it that's the thing. That's the thing. Um uh, That's what I was talking about before about the floating timeline is that there yeah. was never any need to explain it before. Yeah, um, and um, you know, and there, there was a, a kind of a um, an aesthetic uh, change when Goldeneye came along, but they still referred to the past Bond movies, and it was still part of that quote unquote continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, so yeah, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, the issue is that that now people keep talking about um, you know continuing on in the Craig universe with a new character playing James Bond, which is a code name. No, they should just close off the Craig universe. Exactly. And, they and need to start hard a reset. new one. Like exactly what they're doing with the Batman now. Just like reset it. It can be, I don't think they need to do another origin. I think that they can do exactly what, and forgive me again. You know, what? I'm not going to, okay. I am a 3d artist um, and a video game lover. I've played video games since, very, very early on, and video game storytelling has become uh, an example of um, just storytelling and, and how it can be very effective and emotional. And so I am not going to apologize anymore on these podcasts mm. for harking back to video games. The Spider-Man hark, game... Hark, yes. The Spider-Man game that came out on PS4 in 2018, um, they didn't do an origin story. They said, everybody knows who Spider-Man is. This game takes place eight years into his Spider-Man career. He's no longer a teenager. He's been doing this for eight years and he has experience. And what he's going to face are just going to be larger stakes. So there's no reason to go back to before he was a double O and they're they're making a a Bond game now. IO Interactive, who make the Hitman series, are making a Bond game and they said it's going to be pre- um, sort of Casino Riot, like it's it's an origin story. I'm really interested to see how they do it and what their take is because it could be really good. Um, but like, I don't think it's necessary to keep doing that. I think that they can go uh, to a later. It, it can be exactly like it was in the old movies, but it could be a new continuity with its right. own arc. And they they can plan the arc. 
this time. Well, they don't even have to do an they arc. Don't, it can I mean, all be standalone be, stories and yeah. we'll be happy. Um, and you bet your ass we're going to go see it. Right. <laughs> um, we'll go see it regardless. But um, the thing about, uh, about Daniel Craig's Bond was that at the end of Casino Royale, he comes up the stairs and, uh, and he holds up the rifle and he says, name's Bond, James Bond. And you think, okay, now so he's now, now he's, uh, he's sort of like amassed all of these character traits and the suit and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and you, and I thought that they were gonna not necessarily connect. I didn't want them to do a prequel to Dr. No. Okay. I didn't expect them to connect Daniel Craig's bond to Sean Connery's right. bond. What I thought was that they were going to say, okay, we rebooted, we got a new style, we got a new actor, we got a new, uh, uh, a new idea of how to tackle these movies. And it's just going to continue on as if it's the bond that you know and love from the previous uh, continuity. Um, that's that. That was my thought. Uh, but obviously now they've had to, you know, close it off and, and start again. So eh, anyway, anyway um, let's so, get back to know me. So yeah, um, brilliant. I, I love that brilliant. dialogue scene. I think that uh, as we just talked about what may be the worst of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's uh, input uh, this is, I think, the best of yeah, her input. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't tell you exactly who wrote what, but uh, but you know, I, I have an idea. Um, so so she sort of comes into his home under false pretenses. She gives him a lift uh, lift back. Need a she ride? Says, is this the bedroom? Yeah, all that stuff. Um, and then she takes off her hair and uh, and starts talking with a British accent. And he and you realize, which is something that um, you know that we were talking about earlier in terms of like his not being able to um to cotton on to vespa yeah uh, that he knows from the get-go that she is um you know one of one of his you know that she's a double o mm-hmm. um he even says to her you're a double o you know she says two years oh for fuck's sake two years do you know how long i had to do it oh, right like, yeah you know, all that stuff um and then you know and then you know she says mr bond and he says it's commander and you know it and really I, I love that moment it's commander and you know it it gave me shivers when he said that yeah. because I'm like, this guy is a ranked, ranking official in yeah. the Navy. Right. And you should speak to him with some fucking respect. Yeah, two years, you young, you young whippersnapper. And, and that, the coldness with which he says it yeah. is very... So I was like, oh, right? And then it started getting me on a, on a thing where I was like, I want to now look for all the different places where he's referenced as commander because I want to know if it's used for the same kind of effect. Like, do they use it, you know, commander bond? Um, so I, from my memory, commander. Goldeneye, right? Yeah. So there's one in Goldeneye. Um, he says it actually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's a few references. He's in the, uh, he's in the, uh, uniform in you only live twice. He's in the uniform in spy. Who love me. He's in the uniform in, uh, tomorrow never dies. I think that's it. Hey, hey, listen to this. Listen to this. You're uh, you're about to see something interesting, Johnny. Yeah. What is it that Xenia on a top says to him in Goldeneye that makes him go, Commander? And what rank do you hold with the motor vehicles department, Commander. Mr. Bond? Yeah. That is brilliant. What the way that first of all the way that you can remember that and dive into it, but uh, you are you are you are listening to exactly what. <laughs> makes Johnny the perfect person to talk about James Bond for four hours. He 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 breathes these movies. Anyway, 
I'm talking to you, not to the audience. Right. Um, so what I wanted to what I wanted to say about that is that the use of him just you know immediate he he's telling her, he's basically telling her that she's talking to. A superior. A superior. Right. I really like their back and forth, and I also think that their uh, progression um, throughout the movie, the progression of their relationship to mutual respect. Is extremely believable. It's it's yeah. it's one of the relationships in the movie that I find to be the most believable. Right. Um, and I mean, in there are of... other relationships that I think are pretty good and that, that work well, really Felix. well. Felix, Tanner, um, yeah. Money, Penny, Q. I do feel like because they've had previous movies together and whatnot, so right. there is a, a rapport and and that they do speak to each other like colleagues and friends almost. Um, which, you know, I think is also like a nice departure for, um, you know, Daniel Craig's movies where, you know, it, it, the, the money penny in early movies and also in golden, in, in the, in the Piz Bro- almost said his name wrong. <laughs> Blast pressed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should, That's we ex- a, should we explain that? Yeah, you should explain that. I should explain that? I'm just very lazy when it comes to name. When I was a kid, I couldn't... I, I forgot that... I don't know. His name was Biz Brosnan. <laughs> I called him Blast Prestoff and Johnny thought it was very funny in that content. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's, it's never gotten old. So, um, also, 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 we were talking about our dad last night. <laughs> yeah. And how he uh, how he saw the Drew Carey show on TV. And, called and him he called him Barry, Barry Carew. Carew. <laughs> Um, anyway, so so that's like a an illness in my family. So, um, <laughs> you know, Johnny yeah. didn't get skipped a generation, but like he, the, you know, I I I also think with um, what is wrong with me? His name's Calvin Dyson. Yes, and I I was I I sent you a voice message, and I almost said Dyson Carver for some reason, and I don't know why. I don't know why my brain does that. Anyway, the point is, in Piers Brosnan's era, she was also Money Penny was also like Calvin you know, Darwin. I had moved on. <laughs> I had moved past it and regained my thread. Why? Right. So in in that in that in those movies also she was like the the secretary who he flirts with and she right. wants him and she can't have him and he wants her and he's like he could take her any moment but he won't and all that you know and and I really like the fact that you know um that 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 the supporting team that Q and Tanner and M even and and also Money Penny are throughout they are useful they give him information they have a yeah. an, a presence i dispute uh, the the portrayal of the new money penny to be honest i don't th- i don't think it's that progressive uh because in skyfall uh she she is all action you know like she knocks off her wing mirror didn't wasn't using it wasn't using that one either you know she's very uh, reckless she's a female bond all that stuff and then she shoots bond and she gets desked because she shit and then she becomes a fucking secretary. She doesn't wear a dress at we the beginning need... of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, she's wearing something that looks very similar to Lois Maxwell's ah, dress. But she isn't wearing dresses in the other two. She isn't wearing right. dresses in Spectre and in No Time to Die. So they cut that shit out immediately. But the other thing is that um, in, in the, the hearing right. scene, she mm. is protecting the ministers. She picks up a gun oh. and she, she starts protecting the ministers. Right. And so she she still has we uh, oh please, okay can we just put a pin in this yeah, yeah right? we'll because come back to we it. are going to come we'll back, come back to, to it, it. we've but got the a whole that mythos in, that we want to like right bring but up. the whole th- the point is that Inspector and in uh, and in No Time to Die she's do like, not do you like given, do you like the hooks that we keep on throwing in there right. people she's not given very much to do 
And yeah. I don't think that she is as much of a progression as people think she is. I don't think that... No, I'm just saying that compared to what was, the fact that she has a voice and the fact that she is more involved, you and yeah. I think, and we'll talk about this later, but you and I think that she should have had an even bigger role, right? right? And we have plans for what we would have done with it if, if yes. we could have, you know... Well, let's have, put a pin in that. Put this a pin is, in that. Yeah, but yeah. I am... Uh, later. Okay. Right, uh, later. Later, General. Later, General. Yes. So so I do think, I do think that... Um, you know, the, the fact that the team is, um, you know, bantery and, and that we were taught the way we got to this, we were talking about uh, 007, talking to 007 and their relationship progressing to mutual respect. And then I said that the other characters also had like a really interesting uh, sort of, you know, back and forth with him. Um, I do think, however, that um, they were underutilized and we'll put a pin in that. Right. Um, okay. Right. I want to, I want to actually uh, talk a little bit about, um, reintroducing Blofeld in this movie. Okay, but one second. Um, the thing about the commander line... Oh, yeah, that's what we <laughs> Right. The characterization, you see Bond let his hair down. Um, and uh, and I, I look, to be honest, there's, there's a trend going on uh, in cinema right now in these big blockbuster franchises that, um, for whatever reason, they have to keep killing off our icons. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, the first time it was like, oh my God, how brave and how daring. And now it's just kind of like, yep, there goes another when, one. When Han so, Solo yeah. uh, went, yeah. it was not only heartbreaking, but also it felt right. Like there yeah. was a, there was a symmetry. But it started a it started a reaction. Yeah, it started a trend that I think, I don't necessarily think it started there. I think that, you know, there have been... Logan as well. Yeah, well, yeah, I think... Spoilers I, for Logan, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Spoilers for everything. Yeah. Um, this is a spoiler cast. Yes. I, I feel, I do feel that, um, you know, the... I'm, I'm, I'm warming over the last... I've had the weekend to sort of digest what happened in No Time Today. I'm warming to the idea that Bond can, can be killed. My problem was with... The, the reason I'm warming to it is because it's happened, right? It's right, past and it's right. film history. But it's and fine. you and I can't change that. Absolutely. But like, I, my problem was with how it happened how it was led to and what they really could have done. Right. Put a pin in it. Put a pin to, in it. To, you know. Okay. So what I want to say about that is that, um, is that Bond, okay. A lot of people are going to think Bond shouldn't die. You should never see Bond in that kind of vulnerable position because he is a fantasy. Because he always makes it out. Right. He always makes it out. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, you know, him scratching his balls and cleaning his teeth in the shower and, you know, sort of like, Getting pissed in the pub and all that kind of stuff. Now, there is precedent for that because he's, you know, five years out of the service and, you know, whatever. Um, but then when you see him snap to it, when he's talking to Nomi in his room, and then suddenly you get the old Bond back and he says, I'm, com I'm a commander and you know it. Right? So that's that's what I'm talking about in, in terms of that scene is that I think that um, if they would have kept on with that and allowed him to still be bond at certain points of the movie while allowing him to deviate from that then i would have accepted it a lot more yeah but they deviated too much and too often yeah 
and um, and the way also what we were talking about in the in the previous podcast that he was uh, the way that he reacts during uh, during action scenes yeah. and you know like facial expressions compare that to that gag that you hated inspector when he uh, slides down the uh, the crumbling building lands on the couch and he's holding the uh, that's the... not the gag that i hate inspector i'm you did, fine you with were, that i, I heard you huff when we were when we were watching it in the cinema but the I, way I, that don't, he does I don't i don't deny it but my problem with specter was was the Entire car chase, if you want to call it a car chase. Oh no! And then no, he no, exactly, yeah, and yeah. then he he ejector seats out of the out of the car, and then he lands, and then he goes evening, you know, in this yeah. very sort of like Roger Sean Moore, Co- whatever Roger Moore I meant, yeah, Roger no, so, Moore. So what I'm saying it's is, upset me. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is that he uh, he lands on the couch, and he's got like a kind of uh, a, that kind of facial expression where he's just like. Tosses away the. Uh, he's got like what is it like a like a. Light he's got fitting. a lamp fitting that he was yeah. holding onto before he slid down the building. Right, and then he uh, and then he tosses it away with some contempt, straightens himself out. Um, you know, leaves the uh, the entrance of the uh, of the courtyard, and he's standing staring at Skiara with those like snake eyes. You yeah. know that he's like I'm, I'm, I'm here to kill you. Yeah, I'm stalking you. I'm an assassin, and you're dead. Yeah, um, and that's Bond. Yeah. You know, showing that kind of uh, that kind of like whoa kind of thing you know that uh what if i don't wobble <laughs> yeah you know that like he's uh you know bond doesn't scream when he grabs the cable and uh and sort of dives off the side of the bridge like because he, he dives doesn't... off a fucking right. bridge and he does it while looking really cool now there's nothing wrong with him getting hurt and there's nothing right. wrong with him getting covered in dust and dirt and whatever but he needs to he needs to look like his adrenaline has just been kicked into overdrive. He needs right. to look like he's ready to get going. He needs to look like, you know, now I'm I'm in kill mode. Because because he is. He's an assassin. Like, I, I feel like if you were to lean into the idea that Bond has been out of the service for five years and he's scratching his balls and he's lost some decorum and, you know, whatever, <laughs> um, I'm fine with that. But you have to start introducing those elements of... But he's been this thing for years and years and years, and that doesn't just go away, right? And so I do feel like, although he may not be as sharp as he was, that when he gets, you know, blown away from a grave, he'd be shocked and he'd be like, you know, his ears are ringing or whatever, but then he'd like snap out of it. He'd He'd be be angry. Motherfucker. There's a, you know, that moment where in. in Casino Royale, when he he leaps off off of bits of the building and then he lands in he lands in a in a metal uh, pipe or something and and you know he he bounces off it and he just kind of goes like a you know yeah. like an animal right yeah. and I remember watching it and I remember thinking this guy's a fucking beast he can rip people to pieces and that is right. what for me is like missing I feel like if you are a there is nothing wrong with being a suave um, cocky um, spy. But it's a it's a ruse to get what he wants. It's a it's it's to get him into you know to 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 get him into that situation where he can carry out his mission. He's an assassin. He's there to kill people, so he does have to have some of that decorum. And and yeah, so I, we we talked about this already in the first part. But. Right. Okay. So uh, let's move on to the Cuba sequence. He's taking part in this operation for Felix um, at odds with uh, with MI six, uh, and he goes into uh, to this big Spectre gathering, and he meets Paloma, who uh, who's 
fantastic. Yeah. She's not sultry and, you know, manipulative or damsel in distress. She's not there to have sex with Bond. Right. And she's not there to have sex with Bond. Um, And that's another thing. There's this little moment where, you know, she wants him to take his clothes off. And he's like, well, shouldn't we get to know each other first? And she's like, oh, no. No, I want you to put a tuxedo on because you look like a... Homeless person. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So uh, anyway, Daniel no Craig looking homeless people. Daniel Craig looking like a homeless person still looks like a Daniel Craig. Yeah, <laughs> wearing a suit. <sighs> Indeed. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, so she gets a, a really nice like you know scene here, but she's underused. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I'm saying anything particularly new here, but um, you know, at the end of it, it's kind of like uh, it was really nice working with you. It was nice working with you too. Okay, bye. Yeah. You know, and that's it. And then she never comes back again. <laughs> She's not referred to again. She's like literally in that scene and that's it. it uh, there's, there's very little about that. But it's, it's very contained and, it, and it's very um, like self-contained, I mean. Yeah. Um, it and could have been taken out. It, it could have been taken out. You'd have exactly the same movie. I mean, aside um, from the fact that uh, the Safin the is... Spectre uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's killed targeting... Spectre. Yeah, that, that all seems a little bit weird to me. I didn't love it. It felt very convenient. And, and, and listen... I did like the bionic eye, though. You did? I, I, I did. <laughs> I did. And I... No, because you know that bit, Inspector, where... Um, where he's talking to them in the uh, in the in the computer room, yeah, and then everybody like all the computers go off and everybody gets up, and, yeah. You know, they're all shadowy and they start like staring at him. Yeah, I, I like that kind of thing. I think so it's really really creepy. Um, sort of invasion of the body, but body the invasion of the yeah, body, body snatch <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and uh, there's a similar kind of sequence in this where um, you know suddenly everybody at the party turns around and starts looking, looking at, at him, and, which is great. Yeah, the bionic eye I wasn't a fan. Of. <laughs> you weren't a fan of, but the um, but he's always watching. That was the idea. yeah yeah. Um, and I really I really like I I like the fact that they put in those moments of like it's the same thing in um. Spectre as well, where the, you know, he goes, welcome, James, you know, and, and, you know, he says, what took you so long? And he looks directly at them. He doesn't have to look around the room. He knows exactly Mm -hmm. where he is, right? Oh, one sec, one sec. Where are you? God, shut up. Raise your hand. Uh, There you are. Give a bit of an A so we know where you are. (laughs) Um, And and so there's none of that. Yeah. And and that is strong. There are some very strong wrong things but it's just like the the bionic eye uh didn't didn't work for me i was like why are they giving this so much so much screen time like so much weight like why why is that it look it, it's it adds to the things that feel cartoony for me and it takes me out of it right because and it goes back to the promise right what i was saying in the last episode i think um about you know the promise of what this bond is in casino royale and quantum mm-hmm. of solace and then breaking that promise in Skyfall. And then they keep on flitting back and forth between that promise and breaking that promise. And it just feels um, very all over the place and messy to me. And, and it, it, it just highlights in this movie, and this, this movie just highlights it all the more, the indecisiveness of the production team. Right. That they can't decide whether they're going all in on this idea for Bond... Or they're kind of backtracking because people are complaining there aren't enough gadgets. <laughs> right. In case you didn't know, I don't like the whole gadgets thing. <laughs> right. Listen to the last episode. Um, yeah, so so I thought that she was great. And then, you know, the whole thing with the all of Spectre being killed off. 
But also, he's uh, he's kind of. I mean, he's not. I wouldn't call him inept, but he's kind of he's behaving in a very different way than he would normally behave. I'm he's not going to beat this active. over the head. He's not active in the scene. He's reactive, right? Which is not a bad but thing then, if he reacts smartly. But it right. just feels like he's again bumbling through the scene, like you know. And again, Paloma has. Some fantastic moments, and we saw it in the trailer where she, you know, um, the the shot from above, and it's I think very iconic, where you know she she brings a guy down, she takes his gun, she shoots two other guys on the floor, and nothing's falling out of her dress. You know, like it's 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 fantastic. Right. I have a problem with the fact that he's not doing anything cool, and then they didn't go like back to back and start like you know shooting people. Not that that necessarily would have been any better but like i think that there could have been a working together element that is more of a synergy like there yeah. was in the end of the right movie because it Navi. really worked at the end right. with with um you know 007 and 007 right which is 0014 which is double 014 oh fuck it but you know what i'm saying yeah so what do you want to talk about next we talked about paloma we talked about cuba awesome scene and then we have the scene on the boat with uh, with Felix and uh, Logan Ash. You want to talk a little bit about Logan? I Ash? do. I think that he was quite a good um, villain. Like I, I think the fact that Bond says, you know, he smiles too much. It was a little obvious that there was going to be a double cross there, or that, you know, I mean, right. for me, I thought it's um, uh, Billy Magnuson who uh, played the uh, the equivalent of Prince Ahmed in the uh, live action version of Aladdin. All right. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah, a sort yeah, of a, he's a German prince or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, it, it it was it. I I think that his um, I don't know maybe his casting was. Maybe it was all, it, that was the the point of it was that he should be like a pretty boy. You I know, think like, he's he's pretty much uh, he's he's pretty much the way Fleming describes lighter in the books. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if that has any oh. significance. No, or I, I was just like, thinking that he was a bit of a like he he was an interesting villain just because of the impact that he has on the movie. Right. Right. And this kind of segues nicely into a topic that you brought up the other day that I've never really thought about in Bond movies and you were saying who's the victim in this movie? Right. And I'd like you to expand well, the on the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I want you that. to expand on that because I I'm really interested because uh, sometimes you will um, shine a light on a Bond trope, and I'll be like, a oh, fuck, like the commander thing, right? right? Like that made me go. I, I I knew about it, but but then I started thinking about are there other times when he wants to be called commander or the you know other people use that term out of respect, and I was like, oh shit, that just set me going on a. So I'm just interested. Can you explain what the victim is? You you call it the victim. That's the, the title of the... Or the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. So basically, it's a uh, it's a trope that began with Doctor No. Um, I believe it's uh, it's in the book as well. It is in the book actually because I remember. Um, <laughs> but uh, Quarrel gets yeah. uh, gets bl- burned to death by the uh, quote unquote dragon tank thing. Yeah. Um, and then in From Russia with Love, it uh, it's Karen Bay, and in Goldfinger, it's Tilly Masterson. Yeah. And Jill Masterson. Um, that's a double sacrificial lamb right there. Um, Goldfinger had a itchy trigger finger. Uh, you had Paula Kaplan in Thunderball. You know, license to kill. License to kill. License to kill. But uh, th- there isn't really a sacrificial lamb in License to Kill. It's uh, Felix is injured but isn't killed. Killer! 
Oh, Della, right. So, so Della dies in the first uh, in the first act. She does, but he thought that she was sweet and that she was pure and she didn't deserve it, and mm-hmm. also that Felix didn't deserve what happened. Not right. just not just that he had his leg eaten by a shark, but that he lost her. Right. Right. And so that felt very powerful to me when I was watching it. Like that he was motivated, not just by what happened to Felix, but the lighter that she gave him Mm -hmm. or that they gave him. But like she gives it to him, doesn't uh, she? So that's the lighter, lighter. Does she give him the lighter in the movie? They both do. It's a a gift from the both of them. But doesn't she hand it to him? I I, I remember, I, I just remember feeling that like, she strikes a nerve with her. Also, you know, because you did the impression of, he was married once. (laughs) (laughs) One second. He was married once, but it was a long time ago. See, see, now it sounds like how it sounded like in the movie, (laughs) but in the the message that you sent me, you go, he was married once. (laughs) He was married once. Sounded like Peter Griffin. Anyway, so... You know, where she says to him, you know, catch the bouquet. And he goes, no. And then she throws it at him anyway, or, yeah. or whatever it is. The Carter like bell. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> yeah, so, um, excuse me. Uh, that was me uh, clearing my throat right, <coughs> into the, uh, right into the microphone. It actually helped quite a lot, thank you. Um, yeah, so, uh, so the sacrificial lamb in this movie um, is, in fact, Felix himself. Yeah. Um, which... To be honest, I didn't I didn't look at it that way when uh, when I was watching the film. I thought about it afterwards. Yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah, I I, I thought it was going to be Paloma I th- or um or maybe Madeline Swan. Um. You were hoping it was going to be Madeline Swan. I, I wasn't hoping it was going to be Madeline Swan, but I thought that if she had been killed, mm. then um, it would have set him on a uh, rage fueled revenge mission. Yeah. Um, that uh, that you know might have ended his uh, tenure quite you know with a bang. I think uh, but his anyway. tenure ended with a bang anyway. Yeah, but I'm you know a bang that I would have accepted a little yeah. bit more readily. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it's uh, so we lose Felix, which um, and it's a shame because he's uh, he's got very limited screen time. His screen time in Casino Royale is uh, is very well used. Yeah. Um, and in Quantum of Solace, he's on the other side for most of it. Yeah. Uh, however, unwillingly. Um, and then the next time we see him is in No Time to Die. So they don't really have a lot of time to build their relationship. Yeah. Which is why those those opening scenes of them in the pub and everything are quite great. Yeah. Um, but it also sets up both Billy Magnuson um, as uh, as Logan Ash and uh, <clears throat> the scientist um, Obruchev. As uh, as being as being villains, yeah, um, and also the uh, the explosion with the uh, with the biplane flying away from there that you see in the trailer. Yeah, that's actually another thing that I wanted to mention. A lot of the big stunts you do see in the trailer. There was not a lot that surprised me, which is a shame. Yeah, um, there was. They they still haven't quite hit the heights of that tanker that you like so much. The two tankers and him rolling between them. Oh, in Casino Royale. Yeah, I love that because. In the tra- you see that in the trailer, but in the context of the film, it always makes my balls jump up into my body a little bit. I know. Yeah. It's like every too. time I watch it, I go, because it's so damn close and it looks like a real stunt. And I think it is a real stunt, but I'm not sure if maybe they digitally like 
made it a little bit closer Moved, than yeah, it really was. Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, you know the thing from Baby Driver where uh, he does like a drift yeah. uh, down an alleyway? Yeah, so, and sort of turns around and... Like, yeah, there's and... like a VFX Artist React video where they talk about how what they did was, you know, they just had him... They had the driver, whoever it was, drift down the street and then they put, put some obstacles a little closer to make it look like he right. just barely so that could be it but i really want to believe that that was a just very well choreographed and time stuff <laughs> right i really want to believe that because i i think that they could have done it and i think that it's there's yeah uh, but anyway the the thing i wasn't upset about felix's um death in fact i was expecting that they i was expecting that they like uh you know push the boundaries a little bit with the characters and the things that they're going to do with them and, and not be afraid to kill people off. Cause I, I did so that feel like that, that was what they were going to do. The like thing that pissed me off so much was that like we saw M die in Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big deal because M is a constant. Yeah. And also she, that incarnation of M has been a constant since Goldeneye. Ah, but has it? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm talking about You know about what I'm Judy talking Dench. about, right? I know, no, yeah. but you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. You're talking about the continuity. Christ, I missed the right. Cold War. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and it's posited that maybe she is a different character or maybe she just, uh, you know, multiverse traveled into <laughs> into Craig's tenure, whatever it is. I don't need it explained. I don't care. Again, I think what that, is everyone's obsession I with think, needing things to be explained right, like that? I think that Judy Dench is, is fucking brilliant and I think she raises everybody's uh, game... So Judy Dench bites it at the end of Skyfall, which is a big deal, um, and uh, probably not something that people were expecting them to do. You know, she could have just stepped down and then Mallory take over, etc., etc., etc. So I wasn't particularly bothered by that because you can do that kind of thing. You can do things with the characters around Bond. Yeah. Um, and I'm absolutely fine with it. They killed off Lighter. It's a good motivation for him, and it's uh, and it's you know it's a chance for him to emote to react to what's going on around him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, which is you know so I mean that that to me is fine. It's the other thing that I don't love. <laughs> no, listen. I mean, I I think also that now that they've done what they've done with the ending, yeah. In future Bond incarnations, we're gonna have. A new lighter, you know, probably. Uh, five, uh, no, I'm saying they got. No, I don't mean about lighter. I mean about uh, Bond. Right. That the implication is that in future movies, he could just be killed, and they'll continue it with like the other characters taking revenge or, or trying to, you know, solve what happened. To it. Like, you know, like I, I feel like it's no longer rev- going to necessarily revolve around him. That he's now expendable as a character, which, while very brave, is not right. Anyway. Um, but I've jumped ahead. My, yeah, I didn't mind the whole Felix thing. I, it didn't need to be the shark either, uh, which is fine. (laughs) Um, but like, I I don't know, just didn't, it didn't impact me. I didn't feel anything about it. I was like, all right, okay. Okay. And it didn't feel, didn't feel interesting. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Felix is gone. Uh, let's talk about the Vivian. Okay. So we have we you wanted to talk about Blofeld. I think it's just a good place to talk about villains in general. I think I think that Safin and Blofeld and Logan right are completely useless in this movie. <laughs> I mean, Logan served to kill off Lighter. Right. Um and I thought that the way that he was dispatched was actually pretty good. The call back to Fiora's on. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. 
Um, but like, I I didn't find him compelling in any way as a character. Yeah, not really. Not that he needs to be. Like, I mean, no. look, even uh, Uramov, yeah. who gets dispatched quite quickly in the movie, like halfway through or something. Um, he uh, in Goldeneye, I mean. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, he's at least. He's got some color to him. There's 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 something very interesting about him. He, you know, kills uh, all of. Um, is it Sevenaya? Serenaya? Sevenaya. Yeah. Sevenaya. Um, he kills all of the people there, and you know, he, he you know he has like these really interesting. Uh, he has interesting moments, um, and and I just didn't feel that any of them were particularly. I felt that the Blofeld was a connective line between the last movie and this movie and that his appearance in this movie was really pointless yeah i, um, I wasn't i mean he they wanted to do something uh i think uh, akin to hannibal lecter right or that's something what like they that. wanted to do but it did not come he, across like that at all I'll tell you what it is. The uh, I think that um, that Christoph Waltz is a is a great actor. Yes. Okay, I love him. And he can in, be very menacing. Yeah, he can be very menacing. I loved him in Inglorious Bastards. The thing about Inglorious Bastards and Hans Lander is that the Nazi uniform and the very fact that he is a Nazi and his jovial demeanor are fantastic juxtapositions and make it all the more frightening. Whereas uh, Blofeld, you never really see him do anything particularly dastardly. Um, he's all like, um, you know, chipper all the time. Um, he, he's very, again, I keep saying the word, but you don't see him get his hands thing. dirty. He's very cartoony. Yeah. And, and, and it's, uh, it, it, he, there's something about the exchange between them in the, in the glass booth, right? Where, you know, he's also Bond loses his, it's another example of, yeah, it's another example of Bond's characterization being extremely off. He, he, he starts begging him for information. He's like, please tell me. And it's like, what? And then he starts shouting at Tanner and, and like, he has no cool. He has no calm. And also like the fact that Blofeld tells him that Madeline Swan was not really working for him. It serves just to bring Bond back to her. And it's like, yeah, really, it's the, it's why the... would I believe you now? Like, I don't understand why. Oh, oh, really? Oh, so that's all I needed to hear. Now that you've said it, Blofeld, I believe you. That's another thing. I feel like Bond kind of believes everything that the, uh, that the bad guys tell him. And not, you what know, like, like, for example, <laughs> Mathis and, uh, you know, like, I, I just feel like um, he's a little bit gullible. <laughs> Yeah, like and I, and I feel like it rams that point home in No Time to Die as well, and uh, and then Blofeld does his uh, me me me, the author of all your pain. Mm-hmm. You know, he does that whole thing again, and it's just like we get it. You're you're a good writer. Well done. You've no, but books. it's 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 <laughs> we get it. You are the connective tissue right. that hasn't really shown its face anywhere, right? Um. And I think that, and we'll put a pin in it. But I think that I think the Blofeld is is a, as an idea, a Moriarty and an antagonist to, because I don't like the word villain anymore. I like the word antagonist. I like the, how do you say this? Antithesis. Mm, and. Antithesis and yeah, okay. Anti- the and, the opposite antithesis. antithesis of 
what Bond is trying to do. Just like Moriarty is the antithesis. But I what... I want my my antagonists to be frightening. Right, and that's I what I was I want them to feel like, like a threat. The... Safin like, was terrifying in the opening sequence. In the sequence. opening sequence and with, I was that, like, with that yes. wonderful porcelain mask that's so iconic. But it's, it's like not immediately used iconic. again. It's, no. it's used to tell Madeline Swan who he is, but yeah. what is the mask and why was he wearing it and what significance did it have? I wish he would have worn it in the, uh, the, in the, in the present day sequences yeah. and revealed himself in the final... You know, confrontation, confrontation between the, the like Bond and he and Bond have a conversation. Um, you know, the the idea is that he sh- he wants to hide his scars. Um, and again, there's another you know bone of contention here about uh, about the bad guys being uh, being disfigured. Um, that uh, that people are calling for that to stop because uh, anybody that has any kind of disfigurement is you know, considered to be, uh, or disability, well, they're considered to be grotesque because that's what they've been it, conditioned it, to believe by Hollywood. I understand what they're saying when they say that. So do but, I. But the fact is, is that you're talking about if we give someone a disfigurement, which is a motivator for why they are the way they right. are, for example, um, as far as I understood it in the movie, Safin, uh, his entire family had been poisoned and that the scarring was the effects of whatever this poison was, right. whatever it did. It was gas or something. I'm not sure. Um, and he, he, uh, you know, he he is motivated by revenge. He's motivated by this thing that happened to him. He's fucked up. And it's not about oh, people who are disfigured are bad. It's that this guy is bad, and he happens to have a disfigurement which triggered his his uh, current life path, which which I think is. Yeah, the thing is that Bond in the books had a scar on his face. Um, That's true, right? And uh, and I also wish that at the end of Casino Royale, Mister White would have marked him in, on the hand, like uh, like he does in the book. That he uh, that he's sort of like it's almost like a branding, yeah. you know, that you're a spy and uh, you know and you're always going to be identified yeah. as a spy. And I think by the uh, <clears throat> by the next book, uh, Live and Let Die, he's had a skin graft. Yeah. To, to hide that, but he wants revenge and all that kind of and stuff. And then he has his finger chopped off in that book. Yeah, he has the tip of his finger chopped off. Yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult subject. Like, what is the solution to that? Do you stop um, making villains look scary? Well, I think that it comes back to what you said, which is um, that it's not about how they look; it's that they should behave in a way that is so, scary. Yeah. Like, so this that, brings that. me back to to what I was saying before: is that like, um, for example. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible 3. Brilliant example. Okay. Yeah. So he's threatening um, uh, Julia, who is uh, Ethan Hunt's uh, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is enough of a, of, uh, you know, that is enough stakes. Yeah. Okay. He's, uh, he's, oh, steak. It's how he... I'm hungry. It's how he... Um, yes. Uh, threatens her as well, right? Because so he's, he does... he's extremely menacing. He's also you. You get the feeling that he's uh, that he's maybe um, uh, got some kind of degree in psychology or something like that. He knows how to manipulate and he knows how to talk to somebody, um, you know, in order to to like charm them or to get information out of them or to scare them or whatever it is. You get the feeling that he's a well-rounded character and that he's some somebody to reckon with. Hugh Laurie in the Night Manager, same thing. Also, or uh, Alec Baldwin in the Cooler. 
Okay. Uh, you are like firing off some really good examples. Yeah, the, but these are these are examples of heavies who are heavy. Yeah. You know, and and I think that these people should be a match for Bond. They shouldn't be caricatures um, of somebody that you know. Just give them a scar and uh, and a and a and a white cat and you know a, a, an Eastern European accent, and you're away to the races. Like I, I don't believe that that's good enough anymore. Um, I think that if they want to concentrate their efforts into improving the franchise and changing things, like those are the first places yeah, exactly. to start. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's not about how the character looks. And I think that the the fact that people say, "Oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be putting disfigured you know characters because it's bad representation, whatever," is is silly because if if the character is well written and well acted, then the scarring or whatever it is, the deformity, if you want to call it that, is. Um, is is it needs to be essential to that character's motivation like you know right. the, the, the thing about um i've forgotten her name and i just like <laughs> quantum of solace's uh, bond woman camille camille thank you uh that she has scarring on her back and right. she tells and it's never she doesn't ever say Oh, look, by the way, you know that story I told you about how yeah. there was a fire in my house? You see house? her on a backless top. Yeah, and you see that she has this mark on her And then she tells the story about um, 40 minutes later or something like that. Yeah, and then she says he left his mark. Right. And if you are an eagle-eyed viewer, you'll notice it the first time. If not, then the second time you watch the movie, which is when it fell for me, it dropped for me, I was like, oh, it's scarring, right? Because right. the first time I saw it, I was like, is that a tattoo? Like, what is that? Yeah. So it's really... um, and, 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 and it also plays very heavily into the ending where she's going not like this, you know? She, yeah. She's paralyzed. So if these things, uh, these physical uh, traumas become traumas, they become motivators or paralyzers for a character then i don't think that anyone has anything to complain about i think if they are just scarred for the sake of being scarred like blofeld is yeah that is again another callback that was really really not unnecessary. unnecessary they yeah. could have left him exactly as he is was um or they could have done what we're gonna say put a pin in it find a pin find a pin gotta find a pin gotta write it down <laughs> Memento. Yes. The uh, Gideon Bible, which I uh, read religiously. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Safin is a very um, vanilla... He's paper thin. He's not very well developed. I, I just... I, I, I don't like Rami Malek's performance. Um, he seems very... Lethargic. Um, like yeah, like he's sleepwalking through it. Yeah, yeah. Like also, like he sounds like he's on the verge of crying a lot. Like you know, Mister Bond, you know, like this. and and you know his what was funny actually. I was weird. watching him in an interview, and more and more he starts to sound like Ted Levine to me. Why? I don't know. It's something to do with the word. Oh, he's got like oh. I don't know what it is. Like I, I will. I didn't mean my candy. <laughs> I meant yours. Yeah. I, I will uh, play you a snippet of an interview, and you'll tell me what you think. All right, fine. Send it to me. If that's what you could, is that the only thing that you can see from now on? But I find, I find that he, he, he looks, he looks like with the. Sorry, I'm he's saying this with the, with the bug eyes, right? Yeah. Um, he does look menacing. Menacing, just when he's not saying anything. But it's as soon as he starts talking and his character's quote unquote motivations become clear um, that I started losing interest in him as a villain. Like I was, 
so intrigued by him in the opening uh, horror-ish sequence. Yeah. And then when he shows up in her house or, or in her uh, office, in office yeah. um, I wasn't... I, I thought that they could have played that up. I, it would be amazing if there was, for once, a Bond villain who was like a horror character, like a horror villain, like a like an antagonist who is who preys upon the fears of the people who he's trying to intimidate. Right. You know, like he 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 could have been hiding, you know, in in her office, like uh, behind a, a door or something, and you know, she opens the door and she finds this box on her desk and she opens it and you know, like she sees the broken mask. And then, right. like, the door is, like, closed and he's standing behind it and he's got a fixed mask on his face, you know? Like, it it, it, it could have been yeah. super creepy and, and, and we wouldn't have had to have known what was put on her hands. We wouldn't have had to know anything about, you know, the this is this is meant for Blofeld, you know, this this right. uh, this uh, nanobi- uh, nanotech that, yeah. that kills people. The thing is, there's a lot of that kind <laughs> of stuff in True Detective. Um, which Kerry Fukunaga also uh, mm, what? Wrote, a lot directed. of what stuff like that that kind of horror stuff that like um, that sort of Silence of the Lambsy kind of uh, kind of real world which I I really like and I yeah. think that it could definitely it would have had a great place in a Bond movie. I think right. I think it did have a good place in the, in, right. a, in the beginning of the Bond movie I think if they would have played into that and then only revealed his face like you said at the end it could have been really interesting just as a... And not, and not revealing him so much in the publicity. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I think Rami Malek was cast because because he was popular. At the time, he won an Oscar. He was uh, Freddie Mercury, etc. Listen, uh, um, Christoph Waltz was, uh, was also, cast because of his, his popularity, but it doesn't... Yeah. It but I'm doesn't... saying that no, I'm saying that uh, that he wasn't cast because ne- necessarily he's the best fit for the character. I yeah. think, first of all, um, the character is supposed to be older. Um, you know, talking about stalking uh, Madeline yeah, Swan as yeah, a yeah, child. She's a child, and he still looks like he's early thirties. He looks like he's the same the same age as her. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and I so I don't understand how exactly, you know, he was stalking her as a child. I don't know. No, I, you're it, right. Yeah, it 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 didn't sit well for me, and I thought he needed to be more or less the same age as Bond to uh, to be a match for him. And I was I was very murky on his motivations for the uh, the main plot. I understood his uh, connection to Madeline Swan, obviously. But the main plot with the nanotech and what he was planning to do and why there was a ticking clock. You mean the nanobollocks. <clears throat> nanobollocks. <laughs> um, what he was planning to do and why he was planning to do it and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand. I understand him trying to, you know, get rid of Spectre and where that, that falls in. Um, but none of that was uh, was made really clear. Maybe I'll pick something up on my second viewing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, none of that was, was particularly strong or threatening or, you know, necessary. I didn't find him compelling at all. He was not compelling. Yeah, so, so I just feel that all around, like the, the villains were. Yeah. But I was also upset that he, uh, that he's the one that, that brought him down. Yeah. I mean. There's so much. I would, uh, put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. No, but specifically that that villain who's probably one of the weakest of the series, let's face it. Yeah. Um, he's the one that brought down the great James Bond. I mean, Moriarty is a foil for Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, and you've got these, you've got these sort of yin and yang, um, you know, stuff going on in, uh, in, in literature and in movies, etc., etc. And you understand that like, you know, Batman is, uh, you know, is his arch enemy is the Joker. You know, specifically the Joker. It always comes back to the Joker. Um, and the, the Safin is not anywhere close to arch enemy. He's villain of the week. 
Absolutely. He's um, a villain of the week as well, W-E-A. No. Okay, see what I did there? Look at you. With it's a little bit of wordplay. A oh, little yeah. bit of wordplay yeah, for you there. Nice. Just throw that in there. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's move on from uh, from Safin because he's a little bit shit. Um, and uh, I, I want to mention the Poison Garden just for a second because cool. that was also kind of not um, really explained because you're looking at something biological and the virus is technical. Yeah. So it's very strange. But um, but I, I enjoyed the iconography. I, see, I keep saying iconography, but I enjoyed the imagery. That's what it is. It is. I, the, I enjoy the imagery of that, that, that callback to, uh, to You Only Live Twice, the novel. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and in that book, um, Blofeld goes under the, uh, the assumed name of Shatterhand, and he's got this, uh, this poison garden in a castle, in a remote island... Uh, and all of that is just brilliant. It's the first hints of Fleming, um, of actual Fleming material that's been used for quite a while yeah. uh, since Casino Royale. And I and I just, I really enjoyed that that was in there. I, I also thought that that was pretty cool. I, I, I liked the fact as soon as the island came up, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I, I did think, it just feels that the... Because the location is really cool. Also, like, the sort of walkway that they're fighting on right. uh, is and really the, cool. And the big set and the, with the pool and the uh, the worker the bees. The pool and the worker bees. And also the big staircase where the, where the massive well. shootout happens. Yeah. You know, really cool. Nice um, callback to Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very well done. <clears throat> but, yeah. you know, again, it's all sitting on the shoulders of this villain and this plot that don't... Yeah mix very well they don't they don't, don't they don't the land foundation. if you don't yeah, lay they the don't foundation land. properly the roof's gonna fall it's gonna fall exactly right. exactly and I do, I do feel that if they would have made the villain compelling and they would have made what he's trying to do not nano bollocks um, <laughs> and if they would have but even if it was nano bollocks and there was some kind of uh, some kind of reasoning behind it that uh, that went beyond the the sort of um, sketchy kind of Oh, we're gonna, you know, sell it to some buyers and and whatever. Even that wasn't what's, really clearly telegraphed what's the what he was countdown? doing. Down, like, why is it so important for him to close the blast doors? Couldn't he have, uh, you know, gotten off the island, nuke the fucking thing, get, uh, you know, kill kill everybody inside that uh, that needs to be killed, and then come back later, open the blast doors, and then you know, and then maybe Safin wouldn't have shot him and uh, and scratched him with the with the with the vial. There's a lot of what ifs here. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, a lot I of think what ifs. put a pin in. Oh, put, if you put, say put, put a pin in it one more time, <laughs> um, but like the the I think I started it as well. Which yeah, is what you makes did it indeed. So what you gonna do? What you gonna do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all bl- I'm all bluster really. Um, <laughs> the I, f- I feel that that if they would have maybe if they would have maybe made a threat that felt threatening because when you say nanobots. You lose me immediately. Like I, I, we've already talked about this, and we've talked about how how unrealistic it is. But it it just didn't feel like a credible threat, and it didn't feel like something that Q couldn't maybe combat in yeah. a couple of years. You know, like and, and also and the fact people that they mentioned the MP as well. He's got yeah, an MP in his watch, and they drive home the idea that it's that it's permanent. Yeah. Oh, what are you talking about? 007. The moment that nanotech gets into your bloodstream, that's it. It's done. It's there forever. Didn't and you know like, that? Didn't you, you know idiot. that? You idiot. And it's like, <laughs> all right. First of all, sorry. Right. <laughs> all right. But the <laughs> all right. But like you know, it, it just felt like like just. As soon as they said that line, as soon as Q says to him, "Yeah, well, didn't you know that? You know, you, mm, you idiot, you yeah. twat." It's um, Chekhov's gun. It has to be fired. You know? Yeah, and so, I was like, "Okay, well, Bond's gonna die." Um, I was in denial. 
I was not. I was I just like, I know what they're going to do. I and the other it. thing is when, when Madeline Swan is like riding away on the train, she's clutching her stomach. I, I, I you know, clocked it. Uh, but at the same time, I was in denial because there were rumors, you know, circling around that Bomb was going to have a kid, but I didn't want it to be true. Another thing that, that they shouldn't have really done. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about the kid the yeah just like the ramifications that was my segue, of didn't what you that, that means no sorry I didn't, <laughs> sorry uh, uh, oh what a what let's go back do it again uh, say it again bond have a kid what a wonderful segue fantastic <laughs> bond, bond has a beautiful daughter named matilde um who uh well seems I mean, to be missing an a from the end of her name yeah there's a bit of um there's a bit of play there that you know he he goes to visit madeline swan and they make up and everything and you know and then suddenly there's a there's a kid appears at the top of the stairs and she says it's not yours and he's yes, like but what is her motivation for saying to him it's not yours because she doesn't want him to run i guess um and also nobody was buying that of course nobody was buying that. and then he said but what about the blue eyes Nobody no. was buying it. He wasn't yeah. buying it. We weren't buying it. The audience wasn't buying it. No one was buying right. it. Right. Um, and then obviously Safin, for some reason, knows. So he's like, your daughter, your daughter. And like, okay, well. Um, and then at the end, that whole thing where she says, she's got your eyes. And he says, I know. And then I was waiting for Lily Potter to appear next to him. <sighs> so the yeah. reason that I have such a problem with the fact that Bond has a little girl or more correctly it, not the fact yeah. that she's a girl just that he has a child yes it does raise the stakes see here you are again pussyfooting around the sexist thing <laughs> yeah no it, it does raise the stakes but it it does it, it 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 first of all the stakes can be raised in other ways but i'm saying um, it's a lazy way it, to raise the stakes yeah it felt like well i mean he's not a family man that's not his motivation right. that's not what pushes him his motivation is to his duty, to his country, right. to what he perceives to be his morality and his code. You know, like it. it there's there there are motivations. What was it that M says? He's a paragon of British fortitude. Yeah. yeah. Well, that bit was all right. Yeah. And and I think I think that. Um, she also said, "Take the bloody shot." So you know. Do you, like, do you think? Do you think that? they felt like that was the only way that was the only way that he would sacrifice himself. I feel like every time he goes on one of the, these missions, he is sacrificing his life for his country. Like that he is, that he is willing to make that sacrifice. I don't think that there is a single time when James Bond goes out with his gun and doesn't think there's a chance I'm not coming back. Right. He doesn't know he's a character in a movie. He yeah. knows he could die. So, so the idea that this is what's going to make him, you know, finally, uh, you know, allow himself to 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 not be. I I felt it was a a very lazy piece of writing, and yeah. and the fact that the the motivator for for Bond, um, you know, allowing himself to be destroyed by the missiles was, um, you know, he calls a missile strike from from uh, he asks M and Q and all that lot, you know, in in England. But what's the rush? It. Where's the countdown? Right, and it, again, like it, 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 he'd killed Safin. It wasn't like there was a launch that was going to happen. Like there was going to be, uh, you know, like some kind of dispersal of this, this um, nanobollocks to to the rest of the world. Right. Um, and unless there is, and we missed it. So that's what I want you to do. Is I want you to go and see the movie and tell <laughs> me if if I missed something. But right. I I don't think I did, and I I haven't heard it spoken about in other um, discussions on the, on right. the subject, but I feel that his, 
the, the idea that he can't see Madeline again and that he can't see his daughter now. Now, listen, I, I understand that, you know, I've heard it from the um, uh, Bond friends. Yeah, Bond and Friends. And Bond and Friends yeah. um, podcast. Podcasts. And, and also a couple of other dissections that I saw online where they were saying, you know, that... Um, he, he, I've completely lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, I got distracted by, by trying to remember whether it was an and or not. Right. <laughs> what was I saying? I thought this complete you were talking, professionalism. You were talking about the, the, uh, the stakes. Bond's daughter. It's gone. It's completely gone. Okay, then. <laughs> Cut, pause, Cut. fuck it. I okay. can't, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. So... I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. I it's um, come back to me. It'll come back to you. Just, okay, it'll come back to you. I um. I think I I I really identified with Bond and his decisions. Um, as soon as he found out he had a daughter, and when he was uh, you know partnered up with Madeline, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I understood all that because I am a father. Mm. You're a father, and uh, and it made me feel for him in a certain way that uh, that I haven't before. The issue I have is that that could be any other movie and it shouldn't be Bond. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily want to see him with a kid. I don't want to see him... I remembered what it was. Okay, go for <laughs> Sorry. it. Sorry. Go for it. We're not cutting any of that, by the oh, way. Oh, really? You're oh, leaving yeah. that in? Oh, of course, because now you're, you know, you're coming back to it. You're, uh, you're right I feel around. really bad that I also just cut you off and I just wasted everyone's time. That's but okay. But basically, it, it's been talked about on the Bond and Friends podcast that um, Madeline Swan, yeah, eventually, they, they you know he would have touched enough people that the virus would be passed on to her and right. she'd die eventually. And so he was trying to prevent that. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that if we're talking but about like the world STD. of 007, yeah, yeah, that, you know, Q would have found some kind of uh, solution. They would have neutralized it in his blood. They would have kept him in a glass panel. Like he could have, instead of blowing up the island, it's, I want people with hazmat suits to come and pick me up and put me inside a glass box with holes in it so that I can breathe yeah. or I can't touch anyone. Like nobody... Bring me back. Put me in a sterilized room for a couple of years while you figure this out. Blow up that island once I'm gone and then I'll be back in a couple of years time to do my next movie. Right. He didn't even have to hold something like a lever or a button or yeah. something like that. Um, right. Another thing. Like, yeah. There was no, there was no reason for there him no to stay there threat. other than the fact that he didn't want to live... Uh, it was kind of suicide. They it was like, you know, yeah, I it was absolutely suicide. Why is she the one woman? to, yeah. you know, that he wants to die for? Not, not good enough. It's no. just not good no, no, enough no, for a reason. Enough. It's not good enough. But also, no, I didn't hear anybody over the radio going, uh, you know what? Hold on a sec. Bond's still on the island. Uh, we'll figure out a way to sort out his nanobot problem. Yeah. Uh, you, you might want to stop the launch. And there was time. Uh, he's like, no, you know what? Just blow me the fuck up. And I don't get it. I really don't get it. It's it's like... Uh, there are many, many narrative holes. I think also, like, um, I was really surprised to find out the, the real reason why Danny Boyle and John Hodge left. Um, and it completely changed my opinion of that whole situation. I, um, like everybody else, was led to believe that Danny Boyle and John Hodge wanted to give Bond a daughter and then kill him off at the end. Uh, when really they left... I mean, from what I understand, they left because the writers wanted to kill Bond off and give him a daughter. Um, so, so yeah, completely the opposite of what we were led to believe. I, as I said, nobody's talked about it yet. There are no spoilers yet. You know, 
in terms of like the the actual cast and crew, it would be very interesting to hear an interview with Danny Boyle on that subject. I think that we're not gonna sit. It's gonna be. He is uh, gonna talk about it at some point. A little while before that happens, I think that we're going to have to wait because you know how long was it after Die Another Day that Piers Brosnan did that um, uh, interview? Surfing, yeah, right, where he's like you know taking the absolute piss out of something that he promoted the hell out of, right. Uh, and I just think that, you know, the, the whole the, the But whole Danny Boyle isn't connected. He's probably signed some kind of, uh, you know, non-disclosure. non-disclosure. Uh, but that might have a, a, a time limit on it. Yeah. Like, sort of like, almost like an embargo. I mean, I'd be interested to hear his take on it. I'd be interested to know what he... Um, what his script contained. Yeah. That's what But, I'm you know, about. it's the same thing as... Uh, there have been a few movies recently where... Where people have gone, oh, well, you know, if this person had been allowed to carry out their vision, then, you know, then this would have happened. And, you know, that's that's how the whole, you know, Snyder Cut thing came about and, right. you know, all of that. And I'm I'm sort of like, I'm one of those people who I enjoyed watching the Snyder Cut and I thought it was, you know, very intriguing to watch. Um, I thought it was definitive. I thought it was uh, the, the only way to, to, to continue I mean, what the, he'd done. The Man of Steel and Batman v Superman aren't the, the greatest of the DC movies uh, in my opinion, but that Justice League movie justifies their existence. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I and I think it's uh, you know it's also flawed, but it was a three and a half hour movie that I breezed through. Yeah, I didn't feel the time right. on that either. But I'm just saying that like there's there's this now point. there's now this thing where we're waiting to hear what you know the director or the the guy who was kicked off or the guy who wrote the original script and what that contained. Yeah. And I'm very interested to hear it, but it still doesn't change the fact that, that Daniel Craig's final outing um, ended with... Bond going out like a chump. Yeah, he yeah. did. He went out like a chump. He goes and he stands on top of that building and he says, I know. And then, you know, he gets blown up. And then there's a very melancholy kind of meeting of the mi6 people yeah. you know like uh um, to james you know to james and they have like a, a a little snifter you know whatever and then and then you know the, there's the whole matilda and and, and madeline like driving yeah, off let into me tell the you sunset. a story let about a man about... called about your father whose name was bond james bond like i mean the the very definition of belabored in the dictionary should yeah. have that next to it uh, I ju- and I just like, and then we I have all the time so in the world, which was like hammering the nail in the coffin I for was me. So disappointed. I'm like yeah. now just like saying we went this, out like, of there I... deflated. I think you went out of there pissed off more than anything else, and I was like, you know, knocked for six. I was like, what the fuck just happened? I was so upset. I, was I spent really the upset. whole of Friday in a bad mood. Yeah, me too. Like <laughs> I came home, and Shosh was like, "How was the movie?" And I said, "It sucked." <laughs> And she's like, really? And I'm like, yes, it was bad. It was really bad. I shouldn't have left the house, right? And she's like, she's like, didn't you enjoy going to see a movie with Johnny? I said, yes, 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 very nice. You know, and then like, you know, the next day she's like, what's the matter with you? And I like, I went, it was a bad movie. What don't you get? And she's like, it was a movie site. Why you get, and I said, you don't understand. And she's like, and I'm very you dramatic. You don't understand. You weren't there at the That's beginning. That's what I said. I was like, you don't understand. You don't know what this means to us. And 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 she's like, what happened? And I said, no, I don't want to spoil it for you. And she's like, I'm, I don't care. I'm not going to go see this film. I'm not interested. In, <laughs> My wife know. also said she doesn't care. <laughs> and I and I said, they killed him. Shush, they killed him like a chump. I tell you. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, so. <laughs> 
I was like, and she's like, it's just a movie. And I was like, you are wafer thin ice here. Right? Um, and it was just, uh, it was just like one of those things. It also brought me back down to earth because I had been kind of like, oh, why, Lisa? Why? Why? You know, like really <laughs> yeah. upset about it. But then as soon as she sort of said to me, first of all, calm down. Relax. She said to me, just, you know, Have it's not bad for them to try new things. And I basically then took it from a different angle. I was like, no, you're right. It's not bad that they tried new things. I think if there would have been another way, perhaps a way that a pin has been put in something. Okay, we'll get to that. Right? Put a pin in Um, But like, if they had done it in a different way, it would have been more palatable. It was how they did it that I have a problem with. Also, also. But I I think, again, I'll say that that I don't think Bond should ever die. However... Um, the thing that bothered me a lot about uh, about that whole thing, we breezed past most of the movie here, but we might have to go back. Um, the thing that bothered me most of all about that was where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I'm comfortable with it. In terms of you know, you know, obviously the Dark Knight was its own thing and all that kind of stuff. It was open and closed. But uh, but again, I, I I made the point that the um, the things like the themes you know, the music and um, and the iconography and the, the cast and everything. Everything was switched up for that because Batman exists in a universe where there are many incarnations and there are lots of comics and different writers and et cetera, et cetera. In the same way as the Marvel universe. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different takes on these characters, but there is one Bond series. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the next incarnation, they're going to have to do a hard reboot if they want to carry on with the character of Bond. Without him, it's not Bond. It's a yeah. spin-off. Um, so 100%. if they if they want to do that hard reboot, they can't go the same route as Batman Begins because they've still got the tuxedo and the iconography and the music and etc. etc. Uh, that Bond fans are going to be clamoring for because Bond exists within all of that. You know what I mean? So it's not even if Absolutely. it's a, even if it's a hard reset, it still has to be familiar. It still has to take place in the same universe that we've like. Even even when Casino Royale rebooted the Bond franchise, it still takes place in the, in same, the same universe. universe exactly, it's the same MI six building. It's the same M. It's like there are certain things that they wanted to uh, to keep. Uh, it's the same Bond theme. They still got the gun barrel. They still got you know what I mean. They still got the personality traits of Bond. They still got the the DB five. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so as, as, while I abhor a lot of the uh, the nudge nudge wink wink references to the past, there are still certain things that have to stay. Otherwise, it's just a generic action movie. You're right. What makes Triple X Triple X and not a Bond movie? It's a spy movie. It's got explosions. It's got a spy who's a you know who's got chutzpah and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's not Bond. He's yeah. Vin Diesel playing Triple X. Um, it's a completely different thing. Uh, so yeah, so that that's what I would, that's what I've been thinking about, and I think that you know they'll, they'll recast the role, and maybe it's a good thing. You know, we we have a completely different incarnation next time around that they can push and pull in any direction, and maybe uh, this time they could plan out any supposed yeah. story arcs that they want to do. Yeah, but uh, but the the main point is the Bond fans will get the Bond that they go to the cinema to see. Maybe they won't, Johnny. You know, they're they're I I, I see a lot of this happening. See, now when with... you say my name, it's always something that. Uh, you know that that you. I really don't want to bum you out, mate. But you know. No, listen. I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I hope that you're right. Yeah. But listen, we see a lot of things where 
you know, the doth protesting too much that, that producers and, and directors right. and, and actors do. Like, for a prime example right now is the doth protesting too much that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not appearing in the new Spider-Man movie. Christopher right? Waltz isn't playing Blofeld. Right, the, the, and they Benedict were... Cumberbatch isn't playing Khan. Exactly. It's all of that stuff. And I was going to bring up Khan as an example. Um, and so when they say Bond won't be a woman or when they say, uh, you know, Bond will return, I... Uh, the reason that I'm so upset by this is because it leaves so many things up in the air. Right. And I'm used to the comfort of knowing that even though this may be a James Bond's last Bond film, a Bond actor's last Bond film, um, that there is uh, more of what I like coming with maybe some twists and turns here right. and there on what I'm used to. So... This is just a very hard, like a very cold, ice cold bucket of water, you know. But that's what I'm saying. Once, once a new trailer comes out for a new Bond movie with an actor that uh, you know, when we see them for the first time, you know, we go, "Wow, that looks that looks cool." Um, you know, like we did with uh, Daniel Craig. We it wasn't clear at all that Daniel Craig was going to be a good Bond. It yeah. really wasn't until that first trailer. And you see the black and white sequence and you see him do his yes considerably. Yeah. And then it bursts into color with the MGM logo. And then, you know, you see him getting off the plane in, uh, you know, in uh, in uh, Havana, I think. Um, yeah. So, so you know, there were there were certain things that I could see from that trailer that I knew we were in good hands. Yeah. Um, I think that once that first trailer for the next movie comes out, we might be able to swallow this one a lot more easily. That's what I think as well. I think that with the perspective, with the, with the benefit of hindsight and the yeah. benefit of knowing where they're going with it, yeah. we will be less outraged by it. Well, I think all Bond um, movies take a certain amount of stewing yeah. before they start to become flavorful for us. Yeah. Um, and no, I think for I, a lot of Bond agree. fans... I don't I think that Casino Royale, I was immediately, it placed itself very high up on my list of favorite Bond right. movies. Yeah, that was um, that. That's an exception to the rule, though. I also, with Quantum, I didn't have any problems with it when I came out of it. It's only when I had repeat viewings that I was like, hang on a minute, that doesn't really But it's a, a Skyfall and Spectre, I needed uh, two viewings to really, uh, I didn't to at- really I love didn't them. I didn't attach to Skyfall the first time I watched right. it. I couldn't understand why you liked it. Um, and, and then I got it. And with Spectre... Still don't like it. Can't get on. I can't get over. I mean, I, I I do like Spectre, even with all of its flaws, but only up until the London sequence, and even yeah. even in uh, Blofeld's lair, it starts to fall apart. Um, I like the fact that there's more, um, you know, Bond theme in there as well. I like I, I like, like the, the song. I like, I like certain the scenes in Spectre. Yeah, yeah. I like the scene where he goes and confronts Mr. White. I feel like right. that's a really good, full of Bond. Yeah. Um, moments, as soon as Blofeld dark. is um, arrives, or they they meet with him in uh, in that uh, facility, facility uh, it was like okay, this is starting to fall apart. I think that um, the, also there's a uh, there's a real issue between calling back and continuity. Yeah. Um, so uh, so you know Blofeld to us is a familiar name because we have grown up with the series and we know who Blofeld is. Bond in this incarnation. Doesn't have a clue. It doesn't mean so anything to he him. He comes to him and he says, The man you are talking to right now, why have I gone? Why have you gone Mexican? Why have I gone Mexican? No, I said, he says, um, 
you're talking to Ernst Stavro Blofeld. So, so Mexican. <laughs> but I understand, I understand what right. you're saying. With his and then you've got and that, that yeah. sort of like, you know, Thomas Newman does like a kind of... Catchy like, name. Yeah, catchy name. It's like Shrug. Okay, so that's your name. It doesn't mean anything to there's him. No, there's no reason. It's the only because they got the rights and they were like, ooh, Tickle Pink. Um, let's use this. Uh, but, uh, you know, and that's the whole reason that Spectre was part of it. I wonder if they hadn't gotten the rights to, to Kevin McClory's stuff. What would they have done? What would they have done? How would that have looked? The next three films, um, or the next two films? Yeah. So basically, I hope they're gonna they're gonna like hard reset and do something. Uh, I really hope they're gonna hard you know, reset. Do something really really cool. A lot of those callbacks and a lot of that sort of Bond's past and blah 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 just really didn't work for me and still yeah. doesn't. Um, but at the same time, I was able to accept uh, Skyfall and Spectre after a few viewings, whereas. This one is going to take a few more than that. I think it's I, I going think... to take the next movie to make this easier. Right. To swallow. Right. Um, and there was a there there are a few there are a few franchises like that that I that I notice uh, or a few series or whatever um, that 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 kind of thing happens. You know that you get the movie that you've got at the moment in the cinema and you go there and you come out really pissed off because that's the first Bond movie that you've gotten in six years or whatever, the next one comes along and it's just, you know, the previous one becomes another in the series. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. I, I'm really interested to know what your second There are a lot of, it. like, weaknesses in it and a lot of, like, yeah. issues, but it's it's an entertaining movie and technically it's wonderful and it's, like, it's it looks gorgeous. I told you, like, you know, the... The color the London. Is... I said to you, the London sequences in, uh, in um, Spectre at the end... Uh, they switched for some inexplicable reason from 35 millimeter but to all of digital. Spectre is very drab. It's colors. It's yeah, color yeah, yeah. correction. But there's is a very difference. Sapien. There's a difference in uh, in texture yeah. um, to the ending sequences. They suddenly started shooting on digital. Maybe because they were shooting at night and they wanted higher visibility. Um, I don't know. But uh, but it, it, those those sequences look like you know something out of uh, you know spooks, like an ITV yeah. spy TV show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and to me that made it feel cheap. And there's nothing cheap about No Time to Die. It looks sumptuous, and it's shot on on IMAX on 65 mil, and uh, and it's beautiful. Um, and it's the same DP as La La Land. You know, it's like it's got a lot of color, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of nice use of shadow and light, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of Casino Royale because Casino Royale also you know pops. Um, in the in a, in the best way, I agree with so, you hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, indeed. Um, I want to have a look and see if there are any other talking points. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, about the score. I was on the fence when Hans Zimmer was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pleased that it wasn't Thomas Newman again. I think Thomas Newman only came along because of Sam Mendes, uh, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't really suited to the job. Yeah, he knew it. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of Spectre and Skyfall score is kind of aping the Dark Knight. So when Zimmer comes along um, and he's scoring the action scenes, it's got a very similar kind of flavor, I felt. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he did embrace the barriness of it a lot more. And yeah. there are a lot more bond theme moments that are, you know, and callbacks, obviously, to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And uh, we have all the time in the world, et cetera, et cetera. But like, um, there, there are some nice... Wah wah uh, trumpets he, he, in there. He 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 thread like a lot of 
different um, styles, motifs and stuff yeah. into into a lot of different moments, which which um, would have been, I think, more forgettable had he not done that. I think that he he really deftly handled right. the the sound. The the it's it's kind of like it's an imagined sound. It's a sound mm. that you are expecting to hear when you go into a Bond, a Bond movie, and yeah. um, it's exactly what you were talking about because I didn't notice that in Casino Royale. Uh, they pepper the Bond theme, like just like a, a few like notes of the Bond theme, where it's yeah. you know just like here and there, and also how they've kind of Bondanized, if you will, the um, the um, you know my name yeah. um, motif yeah. into a kind of Barry like. But that's the thing. You know, if you watch, um, if you watch uh, or listen to some of Barry's scores. Uh, a good seventy percent of those uh, of those scores are based on the theme tune. Yeah, um, and then on the on the song, I mean, um, of that particular movie, and then he will like go into the Bond theme once in a while. Yeah. So it's not like what Arnold did in Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, there's not enough die another day where it's Bond theme almost All wall to wall. All the time. Um, so uh, so I felt like Hans Zimmer's uh, balance of that was a lot more. Um, serviceable and barry-esque yeah and i appreciated it a lot more than anything that thomas newman did absolutely um okay so we have now come to the uh we can take the pin out of it let's take the damn pin out of it right here we go we wanted to talk about our proposal (laughs) in an alternate universe let's talk about the end of uh what would what we would have done with the end of specter no No? i'm talking about hinting at this even in skyfall okay but you don't want to give too much away. No, 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 no. So, so first of all, I wouldn't have had Christoph Waltz uh, reveal that he's Blofeld. This, this, I want to, I want to go back to, I want to go back to Money Penny. This okay. is what I mean by Skyfall. Right. I want to go back to Money Penny because I feel like because she handles herself so well as protecting the ministers, right. that the reason that M has brought her on as his personal secretary is because she has those skills and so she's like his last line of defense right um you know and and so you know she has like a like a a a gun you know under her dress or something or under her her desk desk. you know um and that would have been what i would have done in skyfall to to have mallory to have put her in that position because he sees potential in her right but then inspector um, to we should disclose by the way that this is um, there was something written about this originally this is not entirely original but the way no, that no, no. we're talking this is, about this it is, this is um, this is proposed from Ray an amalgamation refused refu- like it was offered it was proposed that uh, Ray Fiennes Mallory uh, would wind up being the villain uh, and he refused he didn't want to do that he's played too many villains he wanted to be straight M yeah okay um, and so this isn't an original idea, but how they would have done it was, was, right. was to me, it was interesting, was the idea of, um, you know, Blofeld uh, uh, revealing himself as Blofeld, the, the head of Spectre. And, and I think if we would have had that name dropped in Skyfall, you know, um, then the connection that yeah. they make in Spectre to Silver might have felt a little bit more organic. You know that um, that that whole thing of uh, the the device that they used in Silence of the Lambs that they talked a lot about Hannibal Lecter before you ever see him. Yeah. Um, so that there's some kind of fear, kind of uh, you know, uh, built up. 
Um, and uh, and I I feel that um, that Christoph Waltz, if they would have used that um, those like sort of keys of like the cat and the the shirt that he wears, the collarless shirt and whatever, but that he never said my name is Blofeld. Okay, so the the viewer would think that that's what they're looking at, and his name's Franz Oberhausen. The same thing they did with uh, Agent Fields. Yeah, you know they never said her name, Strawberry Fields. It's in the credits, right? Right. But it's hinted at, and the, those who know know, and those who don't don't, right? Right. So it would have been great if uh, you know if he would have just been Franz Oberhauser, but you suspect that he might be Blofeld because of the cat and the blah blah blah. I actually, in in my WhatsApp message to you when I was telling you about this, I actually said it's fine that they reveal him as Blofeld, but it's only fine that they reveal him as Blofeld when it's understood that there is a big player in Skyfall, that that it's understood that there is a big player, even if it was seen for a split second on one of Silver's computer screens, right? Because because I feel like Franz Oberhauser was just a random bloke. And, um, and, you know, having M be revealed as the head of Spectre, that he's in the place to orchestrate yeah. things. But he's maneuvered himself there. Right. That's the thing. Is that Silva in, is working Skyfall, for him and it would have been much more believable. Exactly. In Skyfall, Find somebody with a vendetta and squeeze it. Exactly. He I need to remove M and I know everything. So yeah. I know that he is her dirty little secret. So right. I'm going to give him the agency. I'm going to maneuver him into this place. Now, this whole thing is very interesting, but it would have required them to actually give a shit about planning. Yeah. But indeed. like I think I think that it would have been really interesting if we would have had uh, you know, some some hints here and there about a name of Blofeld. And then if Franz Oberhauser would have said my name is and Stavra Blofeld, uh, we're like, ah, so this is the mysterious name that we heard in the last movie. And um, when he's taken in, and he's taken down really easily as yeah. well, like at the end of the movie, and he's taken in and, and Bond walks away with Madeline Swan um, and, and whatever, it would have been really interesting if, um, you know, there would have been something where... So so there's a book series. Yeah. Um, Nesbo writes uh, uh, The Harry Hole. Um, right. uh, series, and there is a Can you say it again? Harry Ole. Okay. I don't know if I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. Harry <laughs> right. Harry, o, Harry Hole. Um, <laughs> right, right. right. But his. Uh, Harry, but there's a, a really Hole. interesting thing where there is a supposed. They've mentioned it in like I think the first or the second book where there is a a gun smuggler in um, Oslo. And they just don't know who it is. He's like the Moriarty of, of right. this whole uh, operation. It's an underground gun trade. And, um, you know, it's it's hinted at and it's not really um, pushed forward. And then what happens is that one to the viewer, to the reader of the book, in the third book, it is revealed to them through a secondary character who is then murdered right. by this person who the who the smuggler is. And it happens to be someone on the police force right right and for i think two books after that we are aware of who this person is right and it's almost like you're going don't trust him harry you know but but like you know and then when it's finally revealed to to harry it becomes a a real point of revenge and contention and and rivalry and 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 almost how did i not see this coming but to reveal something like that to the audience is extremely powerful the end of specter let's talk about the end of specter that the end of specter would have been um you know everybody back to work bond may have left the service but everybody back to work money penny you get back to work uh she's still the last line of defense for you know m and um you know he sees uh you know franz 
uh, Oberhauser slash Blofeld is, um, you know, on uh, is on his computer. He sees him uh, in in one of the cameras. He's being, mm-hmm. you know, put in that little glass box, um, and you know he sits down at the desk. And there's like a moment, and then he presses a button on his computer, and the Spectre interface comes up. Right. And we don't say that his name is Blofeld, and we don't say anything <clears> about <throat> that, but we realize that the person who has been revealed as Blofeld may not actually be the head of Spectre right. or, 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 or Blofeld indeed. And then that opens up No Time to Die of us knowing that he is not who he says he is. And it's cat and, then and mouse. It, it, it's cat and mouse, and it also works well with the whole, well, M, why have you created this nanotech virus right, thing? Right, exactly. Um, and Bond it, gives him a real bollocking in that, uh, in that scene. And that scene would have had a lot more gravitas if right. we would... And, and, then, and then, going back to the whole money penny agency thing... Uh, her having agency and being, you know, useful would have been really interesting if, you know, actually all along Bond kind of suspects foul play and that um, he sends her into the office. He says, I want you to, you or know, Or that she sees something. Or she sees something. And the, the, there's like and a kind of uh, a confrontation between Peter the two Parker of them. Yeah, we were talking, we were talking, yeah. I, I brought a different example. You brought the, the scene where, where Vulture is talking to Peter in the back yeah. of the car, but I was talking about Hans Lander and Shoshana in the cafe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And no, how, yeah, that's you know, I mean. it's kind of not clear. Does he know who she is? Oh, he definitely knows who she is. Or maybe she doesn't. It's also done in um, American Psycho, right. uh, where it's, con- you know, they told Willem Dafoe to play it two ways. Play it as if you're friendly and play it as if you suspect him right right and so that is that would have been super hard and then if at the end we wouldn't have had Safin, that the bad guy would have been mallory who really doesn't need to be called blofeld right blofeld is a is a code name for his um for, decoy, for his decoy right right um, the 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 MacGuffin for other agents to chase after. If they ever find out that there's a head of an organization called Spectre, they get high up enough. They'll kind of like it a Spartacus situation. Exactly. They'll think it stops there. Right. But that he can he can the the Blofeld can be arrested. He can be he can be fallible. He can be taken right. down. But the real head of Spectre is in one of the highest branches of the government, right. and he has his finger on the pussy trigger. Right. You know. So like it would be really really interesting to see that, and then to have. Bond actually go out in 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 the book of um uh, you only live twice you only live twice sorry yeah. my brain mm-hmm. uh in the book of you only live twice there's a duel to the death between the two of them and they are both very injured and then Bond gets the upper hand and very brutally chokes the life out of him in revenge of you know out of revenge of what he does to right. to Tracy um he could have killed Money Penny in that in that confrontation or or you think she's gotten away with it and then later on you know she's killed or, or right. the, her car explodes or whatever it would have been a much explodes. more uh, thoughtful and uh, and ingenious way of de- deconstructing everything yeah and the, and the stakes would have been high yeah um because you know he he understands that queen and country are on the line and that the, you know the head of specter is not taken down and that he's he's actually at the highest branch yeah. of government and he is in he's in charge of all of these secrets and that's how he's able to maneuver his terrorist plans all over the place and he maneuvered him, himself into this place of government and and that he'd been planning it with you know you know what a really cool of... uh, big reveal would have been is if uh like not you're obviously talking about revealing him as the head of specter but uh it would have been really cool if uh, the scene with uh, max denby c that mm-hmm. he would have said, now we know what C stands for. Careless, and he shoots him in the head. 
Um, yeah. That would have been a nice, like, kind of uh, Max von Sydow uh, yeah. kind of thing from uh, from Minority Report. It would have been brilliant. The precogs. No, I, I think it would have been really interesting if if uh, he he shoots him in the head. Yeah. And it's not sort of revealed there that he's the head of Spectre, but that you know. But that oh, was a, but like that, that was a punishment. It blow. would be. Yeah. It would be a kind of. It would be a kind of a, 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 a shake-up of, of your senses that you mm. as a... Pal- you be- oh, like, why did he, ki- why did he kill him in such cold blood? Like, but it would be that camera. kind of thing of like the, the modern equivalent of him pressing a button and the, uh, and the, yeah. you know, the Spectre operative getting like, you know, burnt, burnt alive or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I think it would, have been, uh, it would have been a good one. I wish and, Ray Fiennes would have gone with it. Yeah, and, and I also think that, that, you know, that if they would have had Bond go out like that, yeah. Fighting his, you know, this man who he was believed, basically his Moriarty. Yeah, he believed that he was his, um, you know, his boss. mentor, his yeah. boss, the person who's taken over from his mother figure, who in some ways maybe has taken over as a father figure. Maybe you know, maybe not. Maybe they see each other more as you know, just colleagues and respective, you know, whatever, right. a mutual respect. But then to find out that that was all a lie, and then to realize that you know maybe Blofeld's plan is is really to just destabilize. Um, you know, the British government or something. I don't know. Whatever it is, no, he wants to rule the world and everything. Exactly. All that stuff. He wants. He wants to be the man on top, right? right? Which is, look, at the end of the day, a very generic motivation, of course. Um, but but uh, like, why has he been maneuvering? At least, least Safin should have had that, right? But like, why sake. is why has he been? There was never a, a, a reasoning for, like, you know, Franz Oberhauser's It's Me, James, the author of All Your Pain, right? And that he's like, why? Because you beat, I beat you at poker or your dad liked me a little bit. Like, what's wrong yeah. with you, right? So if it could have been, you know, that even at the very beginning when he became a double O, M saw, an, uh, uh, Mallory saw an opportunity. He's like, I see that he's really connected to M. Right. And he is the way in. Right. So to to... To screw with him and destroy his love and to make him angry and, and to, you know, to constantly be uh, maneuvering Bond into these situations where all he's doing is losing things and losing people and, you know, like... To, to, it yeah, because he sent him on his it. missions. Yeah, right, right. right. And, then, and then he's sending him on, on these missions and, and, and posing as a, as a friend and, yeah. you know, he gets injured in the silver fight and, you know, all that because silver doesn't know that he's the head of Spectre. Nobody does. Right. That's the whole point. They all think that it's Franz Oberhausen. Right. And so it would have been just genius. And then to have Bond be injured in the fight, but in order to take him mortally wounded in order to take this guy down and strangle him to death or kill him in a violent way or whatever, and then bleed out because help is really far away and whatever it was would have, I think, just been really compelling. This is, uh, this is what we got. (laughs) Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about this movie? Just I'm glad so... that we got a Bond movie. I think that yeah. I think that I would rather have a Bond movie that makes me really, really annoyed and that makes me think of all these different things and that allows me to have a four and a half hour conversation. Well, that's with the you. thing. I, I think it's good that people are talking about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you wouldn't be talking about it if you hated uh, no. know, the franchise. If you if you weren't in love with it, I think that um, the. Uh, the there are certain films that you know that you watch and you come back and you go well that was shit and then you forget about it the next day this has been on my mind it's monday today me too we saw it on thursday night and it's still you know i'm still thinking about it my my desire to uh to watch the other bond movies now i want to watch from russia with love again i want to i want to go through them all and i know that's a daunting task for a parent who doesn't sleep but i think that it's um 
I, I just, uh, I love this series, and, and every time, here's the thing, is that before, in the lead up to a Bond movie, you go nuts. I go absolutely you go nuts, the there is nothing else, and this and happened to me twice, uh, and in 2020, I, um, I went nuts, and, and then they, it, they, they delayed, delayed it, it, and, then you and got I swore off Bond, I swore off Bond, I didn't want to watch any Bond movies, I didn't want to look at any of the trailers or anything like that, because yeah. I didn't know how many more times they were going to delay it. Yeah, this will nicely tie into what we were talking about with right. context and yes. childhood, yeah. is that I usually go, nah, you know, we'll go see it together, and I, say, I, I play it off like I'm not interested, and you yeah. know, I say to you, oh god, you're obsessed, and then you'll be like, and you are too, you know, and then, yeah. and you'll get me there. Like, you know, you'll, you'll get to, a, we'll get to a point where suddenly like, you know, it's a week before and then I'm starting to go a little crazy. I'm starting to go, <laughs> and I'm watching all of the Bond trailers before all the shit that I'm sending you and all the shit. And I'm like listening to podcasts that you're sending me and like, you know, yeah. I'm getting really interested in, and, and I think that that goes back to when we were a kid, when we were, when we were a kid, when we were kids, <laughs> we were, we were, we were a kid, <laughs> yeah. words, uh, when we were kids that, that you used to be the firing up motivator behind what made me love Bond so much. So I think that A, it's really fun to go and see Bond movies with you. B, it's really fun to talk about it. And C, we know what C stands for. Ah. <sighs> Cunt. Cunt. Yeah. All right. Great way to and end it. And on that note... Thank you very, very much for listening. We know that this was very long, but we think that there was a lot to unpack, and I think we unpacked it quite well. Yeah, and uh, we probably missed out some stuff, but uh, if you made it to this point, uh, you're probably really, really tired, so uh, good uh, if night. You, if, you have, <laughs> if you have thoughts on what films you would like us to watch, um, there will be some kind of contact information uh, on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, um, and uh, feel free to contact us and let us know what you think. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. What's our seat number? <laughs>